Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? Hope everybody's feeling well. Enjoying the dog days of summer as here in the Northeast. Man, it has been brutal the last few days, but guess what? I love it. Bring it on with open arms after a six and a half mile run this morning and running on fumes. I'm here to produce, entertain, and inform to deliver everything that's happening in the world of sports in a big sports week ahead here on the latest edition of the J Reels podcast. This is your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to this content. And for those who have been banging with me for now, 146 episodes, I welcome you guys back. It is a Monday, July the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2020. The J Reels, what's the deal segment? What is happening in the world of sports and what I will get into full bore over the course of the next hour is as follows. The NFL looks like they're going to take a page out of the MLB, wondering what is happening with all the health and safety protocols A lot of the players throughout the league tweeting yesterday, wondering what is going to happen as training camps open in a little over a week from today. I'll get into the psyche of what the NFL big ups, the powers that be, what they must be thinking. I know the shield is bulletproof, but this could be a battle that they may end up losing in the long run. So I'll touch on that later on. The NBA season will pick up 11 days from now as everybody has pretty much converged down to the bubble, getting themselves ready to restart a season and then enter a postseason. And then north of the border, a lot of the teams will ascend up to Edmonton and Toronto where the NHL playoffs will begin a week from this coming Saturday. Lots to chew on here, lots to get into. Of course, my hero and zero of the week. Are you ready? Is anyone ready? Are we all ready? No disrespect to the MLS who has begun their season down in Orlando in that bubble down in Disney. No offense to NASCAR. No offense even to golf, where we had a win yesterday at the Memorial where John Rahm won in light of Tiger Woods coming back to play for the first time in quite some time. Also, the news about Jack Nicklaus, the venerable one who at 80 years of age has tested positive for coronavirus. So before we even continue, thoughts, prayers go out to him for a speedy recovery. He is one of the giants in golf, the Biggest winner as far as majors are concerned. We all know for so many years that Tiger Woods has been trying to chase the immortal Golden Bear, Jack Nicklaus, to attain the 18 major victories that he has under his belt. And Tiger still three behind him, even after the Masters win that he had last year. But all those sports that have been part of the fold here over the course of the last few weeks, and no disrespect to them, no disrespect to the fans who follow those sports, because I'm sure there are a few pockets here where in NASCAR J Reels how come we haven't talked about NASCAR other than Bubba Wallace a few weeks ago or the golf which has had four or five tournaments pretty much since the middle of June or even for those who are into the soccer actually one of the leagues overseas had to cancel their season due to the coronavirus pandemic so for the soccer fan out there I apologize to you as well 
But in three days, a baseball season will begin. In three days, one of the major sports will usher into the American public. In three days down, possibly at Nationals Park, because there have been some controversy on whether or not they're going to play in D.C. due to the health officials not wanting to have the teams play in the D.C. area due to COVID. But it looks like the game will take place at Nationals Park to start off this 2020 season finally. Everybody's been looking forward to one of these leagues starting up. And baseball, which can social distance for the most part, even with all the rules, regulations upon health and safety, if you've watched any of the games over the weekend, players spread apart, players sitting in the stands, etc. It looks like we will finally raise the curtain to one of our major sports kicking off after a four and a half month layoff. And for me personally, it's almost as if once this whole thing started, I knew I was going to miss it. I knew it was going to be tough. You started watching those old games at the very beginning, the classic games and any of the sports. Then you start to wean off of that. Then you get the updates day in and day out as far as what is happening with coronavirus, with players contracting it, with coming back as far as all these leagues just looking to find a date or a time to jumpstart or restart their seasons. And it looked like it was a never-ending process because, as I've said time and time again, This was all going to be dictated by the virus. But as of right now, and especially just with the baseball, I'll start there because basketball is not until a week from this Friday and the NHL is a week from this Saturday. But even with all that being said, after all this time, I've come to the conclusion that I didn't really miss sports. Confession. I understand some of these shows were tough to get through because all I had was conjecture Rumors. Yeah, there was some sports news in between, which I certainly delved into. We had the racial inequality going back to the end of May into June, which that carried us over throughout the course of the last four and a half months. But because there weren't any games to watch, any analysis to break down on a bad shot or a poor managing decision or a controversial goal or basket, play, etc. After all this time, even though watching a little bit of the baseball over the weekend, I certainly didn't miss it. It was almost as if this break was needed considering that there was so much more importance on other things when it comes to prioritizing your life, being that much closer to your loved ones, more in contact with your loved ones, making sure that everybody's okay, making sure that, as I like to say, your house is in order, meaning your internals, doing a little forensic self-analysis. Those type of things were taking precedence over who signed in free agency in the NFL or baseball at odds between the players and owners. And of course, I'm on top of it. I follow it. It's what I love. This is what I love to do, people, for the first-timers listening in. I've been doing this 146 episodes, and I plan to do hopefully 2,146 more. But the bottom line is, even though we're a few days away from opening day, I'm certainly not running to the set thinking that, all right, time to get watching as far as this baseball season and seeing how it all unfolds. We know this year it's going to be a sprint, not a marathon. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it may be must-see TV with this condensed schedule 
that every game is important. It's almost like an NFL season that if your team has plans to make it to a postseason and go deep into October, obviously every game is important. It's not like you get off to a slow start in April, maybe even May, and then you could turn on the Jets in June, July, August, and then get into a pennant race possibly in September. Here, if you start off 2-8, and eight, there may be no coming back. And before I even get into the Mets, and I'll do a pseudo baseball preview, and I get a lot of people maybe wondering, Jay Reels, come on, we've been waiting for baseball, we've been waiting for this moment, you got to give us a little bit more than that. But again, the virus is going to dictate that. I could sit here and give you a Yankee-Dodger World Series prediction, but God forbid if Walker Bueller goes down with the virus come October 1st, or Aaron Judge happens to get it during the division series, or any one of these key players, Gleyber Torres, I could go down the list. And what's going to happen then, even in September, where we may have a key player go down on any of these teams? And for them to try to get back, whether into a race, or let's say if they had so much of a cushion that, let's say the Yankees lose another key player or a key pitcher. Let's say Masahiro Tanaka goes down due to coronavirus. And let's say it's September 5th, but now it's September the 20th, 15 days later, and he's still not ready to come back. And now the Yankees, which made, let's say they had a five-game lead, now are tied for first with the Rays. And then you got a couple of teams nipping on their heels as far as the wild card is concerned. And then, although the Yankee schedule at the end of the season is very easy, but you just never know. So that's why to give a prediction, and which I'm going to do for the Mets, more so that's my team, and talk about the divisions as to where I see how this all may unfold. But at the same time, to really give you a full dose of what this season is going to be and it's only 60 games and knowing that if one or two people happen to be quarantined for 14, 15 days or who knows even longer, that's going to put a crimp in things. And I get that these predictions are free of coronavirus, but that has to factor in. Now it may not factor in for some of these teams, which let's hope that's not the case, but who knows? We just don't. So that's why I'm going to give you a pseudo preview as to break down both the American and National Leagues and, of course, give you my Met overview. As everybody knows, I'm a huge Met fan. So now come Thursday, I'll turn on the TV. I'll look at Yanks Nats for a little bit, followed by Giants Dodgers. Funny thing is, I thought for the Mets opening day, it was at 7.05 or 7.10. That's usually when they play their night games. It's an afternoon game. It's 4.10 first pitch. I didn't even know that. That just goes to show you how, I'll say disconnected for this, purpose but I wasn't on top of of course I know the Mets are playing the Braves three games this weekend and they also had the first Sunday night game on ESPN but I didn't know if it was going to be a 105 110 game 410 or 710 I thought it was going to be a, a night game but as I saw yesterday opening day pregame starts at three o'clock so which will lead into the four o'clock hour and then Mets Braves will start our season hopefully with Jacob DeGrom So before I get into the baseball, I will say people, full admission, that more so over the last two and a half months, just monitoring this whole thing, it made me not want sports that much more. It really didn't. And now that we're into the summer and we're out and about a little bit more and understand we still have to be cautious out there because that virus is running ravaged throughout the United States, 
So when the summer comes, you only want to focus on the one sport, baseball, which is day-to-day. And even with that being said, it is going to be just a free-for-all over the course of the next 70-some-odd days or so. And to add the NBA layer on top and the NHL layer on top, and even some of the golf majors that are going to come up in August and September with the Masters. You also have the U.S. Open that right now they're going to have that at the end of August into September. I mean, there's going to be so much sports that my head's going to be spinning. And I haven't even talked about college football in the NFL. So as of right now, we still have to throw those two leagues in the mix. So there's going to be a lot to chew on here. So even with this break, and I'll admit, now I could start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel from a standpoint of watching a little bit of the Mets and Yankees over the weekend, getting a taste for what that was like. Still didn't miss it because the games meant nothing. But at the same time, knowing that it's coming, now it's time to open the mind, open the heart, bring sports right back in, and then get started for some real shows moving forward starting next Monday as I'll recap one weekend of the baseball. And then obviously with the NBA and NHL on the horizon, lots to discuss and lots to get into at that time. Now let's segue to Major League Baseball as it was another wacky week this past week. Whether you had players dropping out, a player who looked like his life was literally on the line due to COVID, a player who signed but then had their contract rescinded only because he contracted COVID. And then you have a situation with a team who are not going to play their home games in their home stadium. And as of right this second... Still have not figured out as to where they're going to play their home games. So I'm going to go down that road first before I get into my little pseudo-baseball preview. First up, Buster Posey will sit out the 2020 season. He and his wife had adopted twin newborn babies. And because they were premature on top of that, he foregoed the season only because he wanted to spend time with his family and make sure that he was going to be 100% healthy. And that was fine by him. Great choice. Now the Giants aren't going to go anywhere or they're certainly expected not to do much this year. Posey, we know, is a big star on those Giant teams, especially when they won those championships in the early 2010s and teens, etc. But that's not going to be a big miss overall in the grand scheme of things. So Posey is another guy who's going to step down as well as Nick Markakis, David Price, Ian Desmond, go down the list. Now, Freddie Freeman had shared his COVID story, which was pretty scary, to say the least. Had a 104-degree fever, lost a sense of smell, sense of taste, really went through it at one point. Actually, his temperature lowered down to 101, which he started to feel a little bit better, but was still scared. And then when he made it to the ballpark the other day down in Atlanta, felt like a kid in the candy store, feels good. He's going to play these couple of exhibition games against the Marlins tomorrow and Wednesday before they come up north to play the Mets over the weekend. And who knows if he's going to start on Friday. I'm sure it's going to be a day-to-day game-time decision. But good for Freddie Freeman for him to not only first and foremost and importantly get his health back, but it looks like he may be in the lineup. I know not good for the Mets fan. Come this weekend to start off the year. And that was probably one story throughout all the leagues. And you think about this, when you go back to March 11 to Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and some of the other players that have contracted the virus, whether well, your name is Von Miller, 
I'll get to a little bit later on, Russell Westbrook of the Rockets. You know, nobody had really detailed a scary scenario like Freddie Freeman has. As you know, Freeman, one of the top players, not only in baseball, but of course, the arguably the best player on the Braves. I know a lot of people will think Ronald Acuna Jr. is the best all-around player, but right now, Freddie Freeman is the Atlanta Braves. And to hear his story was certainly unlike that, at least for me, was unlike anything we've heard from any of the other players who have contracted this virus. And as we all know, it's affected a lot of people, or you probably know somebody who has been affected by this virus. And to hear it from him was certainly a sobering detail of what it was like to have this virus over the course of a few days and obviously having to be quarantined for up to two weeks. And then to add another layer to it, what would have been his teammate in a one Yasiel Puig who signed a one-year deal with Marcakis being out and to him pretty much to take the place of Nick Marcakis, his one-year deal was void because during his physical, he had contracted the coronavirus, so therefore he's a free agent again. So weird how Atlanta is facing the facts. They also have Will Smith who had come down with the virus, Tuki Toussaint, the pitcher. Will Smith, of course, the reliever. And then trying to bring in Puig for reinforcements, and then, unfortunately, with him coming down with it, they had to say sayonara. So it's weird how the Braves have certainly felt the impact of coronavirus, not only with their best player, but also with a guy they were looking to bring onto the team to have them go places this year, considering they made it to the postseason the last two years and trying to take that next step to win a postseason series. Well, here they are now, still on the outside looking in, trying to get another player to fill the void of Nick Marcakis. Now, the Blue Jays are in a little bit of a quandary because the Canadian government has decided not to approve to have any games played in the Rogers Center this year, which right now I believe they're going to start on the road. I believe they're starting in Tampa off the top of my head. I can double check that. But considering they're going to have 30 home games, this is something that they're going to need to take care of quick, fast, in a hurry. The Canadian government saying they feel it's not safe for players to travel back and forth from the States, which is good because even with the players staying at a certain hotel, and I'm sure that they would, whatever the protocols are, it's pretty much going to be hotel to the ballpark back and forth. But obviously, traveling into the country, having to go through customs, even though they're ball players, they still have to get that treatment, despite the fact that they do charter into these airports on their own planes. Obviously, they're not going commercial, but they just felt it was too much of a risk. Now, it puts them in a situation where they may use their AAA farm team across from the Niagara River in Canada, in Buffalo, I believe it's Solon Field. And with their no minor league season to be played this year, that may be the one destination for the Blue Jays to play their home games. Buffalo, I believe, is about 90 minutes from Toronto. And remember, there's no fans, so certainly there's going to be no harm, no foul when it comes to having participants in the ballpark rooting for their team. It was almost a situation that the Nationals had to go through because D.C., that area, they didn't want to have to worry about teams coming in and out. Pretty much the same scenario, and they were actually thinking about maybe playing their series in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is 60 miles from D.C., but I think as of right now, it looks like the season is going to start in D.C. Just to throw that out there. Now, who knows? By the time I finish this podcast and once they, I start editing, they'll probably say, the news will probably come down where the Yankees and Nats will play their games down in Virginia as opposed to D.C., so... 
But that was just my luck. But anyway, with all that being said, all these things that have come down the pike here over the last week, which will now lead us into this upcoming season. And I'll go through baseball overall first before I give you a Met thing. I don't want to bore you with the Mets right now. But as far as how I'm looking at this baseball season, we all know that everybody's going to be in it. It's going to start July 23rd and everybody is going to be in a pennant race. Now, I don't know when the trade deadline, I know there's going to be a trade deadline of some sort. I don't know if it's going to be August 15th. Usually it is July 31st, but obviously that's not going to be the case this year. I don't know if it's going to be smack in the middle of August or maybe they're going to push it to August 31st. Remember last year was the first year that they did not have the waiver wire deals after the 31st, which was usually from August 1st to August 31st. And then come September 1st, it would be a 40-man call-up. All the minor league players would be called up to the major league roster and then close out the season that way. This year, I believe the trade deadline will probably fall somewhere between the 15th and the 31st of August. And then we'll take it from there. But as far as looking through these divisions, and I'll start with the American League. To me, the team to beat in the American League is the Yankees. I said this last year, once they got Garrett Cole, you'd have to go back and check the receipts as to what date and what episode that was. But once they got Cole, and health was a key too, but think about this. Yankees lost a lot of players last year due to manpower, a lot of games, and they still won, what, 104 games, and they made it to game six of the ALCS. Mind you, they didn't play well and didn't hit at all in that series against the Astros. But with everybody now looking like they're healthy, Judge hit a couple of home runs yesterday. Stanton hit a home run. Yankees' power is certainly going to light up the sky. And Cole, if he could be anything close to what he is, and why wouldn't you think he wouldn't? But the Yankees right now, to me, are the odds-on favorite to make it to the Fall Classic. Can the Rays do something in the East? Absolutely, they can. To me, the Rays are a team that are pesky, feisty, built more for a regular season than a postseason. Although they do have a couple of pitchers. Now, Blake Snell was certainly off his game as opposed to he was in 2018 when he won a Cy Young. But if you have him, Tyler Glasnow, and Charlie Morton as your top three in a short series, anything could happen. And when you have pitching like that, that's certainly going to help you in a postseason as opposed to hitting home runs and scoring all over the ballpark a la the Minnesota Twins. Although the Twins have fortified their pitching a little bit. And we'll get to them in a minute. But to me, it's going to be Yankees, Rays, and everybody else. The Red Sox going to make some noise. Who knows? Obviously, with Mookie Betts in LA, as well as David Price, but Price not pitching this year, you wonder if the Red Sox are going to be of any semblance of their old selves. Certainly not the 2018 team that won 108 games, but... When you're looking at division, Toronto's a young and up-and-coming team. I could see them maybe even getting out of the gate a little bit quick, although they're not going to play the games at home, but that's a team that you're going to look down the road two, three years to be that type of team that's on the up-and-up. And as far as the Orioles, they're going to just have a long 60 games. Who knows? They may surprise at times, but the Orioles, they have no pitching, and their chances are they're going to have a long year. The Central right now is going to be the Twins and the Indians, you would think. The Chicago White Sox could be a surprise with all their young prospects. Now, I know Michael Kopech, who is coming back from Tommy John, is not going to pitch this year. A lot of it 
could be attributed to anxiety. So that's something you got to monitor. It reminds me a little bit of Zach Greinke when he first came up with the Kansas City Royals back in the mid-2000s. But you figure the Tigers are going to be bad. The Royals are going to be bad. Minnesota and Cleveland are going to duke it out. And I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of talk about Francisco Lindor, although he has two more years or right now pretty much a year and a half of service with the Indians before he leaves as a free agent. But I'm sure his name is going to be hot on the rumor mill not only come this deadline, whenever that may be, it's sometime in August, but certainly in the offseason, but that's to worry about it then. In the West, you figure the Astros are going to come back strong. They're going to figure that you would think with no fans in attendance that, and with this pandemic, not to say all is forgotten with the science stealing gate, but at the same time, it's one of those things where they may look at this as almost a reason to rally around the troops and have that big season to maybe make it back to October, make it to the Fall Classic, and then win a World Series to shut everybody up. So they may be out to prove everybody wrong in this case when it comes to this shortened season. Will it happen? Can it happen? Obviously, it remains to be seen. You figure the Angels, they're going to have a lethal lineup, but there's still going to be a couple pitches short, although Otani looks like he's going to be ready to pitch on Sunday's going back to his rookie year. Oakland may be a team that could surprise, just like they have done the last two years, but certainly have not been able to get out of the wild card round. Seattle and Texas. Now, Texas is going into a new ballpark. Is that going to be enough maybe over the course of 60 games to get them to where they want to go? Probably not, because obviously there's not going to be a fan in attendance. So the ballpark could be a novelty for some. And at the same time, with nobody that's going to cheer them on, that that may not uh, cast into the big picture for the Rangers going far in this 2020 season. So that's how, and I think the Astros are going to be a team to beat in the West anyway. So even with Rendon, who looks like he may not even start the season because he's been on the fence right now, nursing an injury. And then the A's, like I said, although resourceful, but certainly have not been able to get over the hump when they get into October. As far as the National League is concerned, the Braves and the Nationals, you figure they're going to fight it out for the top spot. Can the Mets and Phillies be part of that mix? Absolutely. Marlins, they're still a few years away. Something tells me I think the Braves will probably get back on top again. They've won the last two years as far as winning a division is concerned. The Central's intriguing from this regard. We don't know what's going to happen with the Cardinals. The Cardinals always seem to be there. And St. Louis is one of those teams that, not to say they're going to surprise you, but they're a team in the shortened season that they may be able to take over and win a division. I'm not saying they're going to. Now, they don't have Jordan Hicks, who was their closer. He's sitting out the season. And remember, he's coming back from Tommy John anyway. Now, you'd think the Cubs would be the favorite here. But Kyle Hendricks is starting their season as the opening day pitcher, not John Lester, not you Darvish. So you got to wonder the health of their starting rotation and how that's going to play in and factor in as far as this season is concerned. The Reds are a team with some of the moves that they made that could be a surprise during a 60-game stretch. Certainly, I don't trust them. The Brewers with Yelich coming back and falling short of the postseason last year, can they make a push to win a division? And then the Pirates... Who knows what you're going to get out of the Pirates. But the Cardinals, I think, are always fascinating because they always seem to be laying in the weeds until they come out and then, voila, there they are in the postseason. But the Central, to me, me is pretty much up for grabs. And in the West, it's going to be the Dodgers and everybody else. 
I know Arizona's made a couple moves, bringing in Bumgarner, where Bumgarner, we all know, is 30 years old, but he has a lot of miles on that arm. Colorado, with all the offseason beef between their best player and the front office, who knows how that's going to play out here throughout the course of this year. The Padres are still young, on the come up, but are they ready to take that next step? I don't think so. And then the Giants, they're going to be pathetic. That's all there is to it. Now, as far as the big picture is concerned, I mean, how could you not say Yankees-Dodgers? I mean, 60 games. I understand we're not going to know coronavirus. I know it's a boring pick, but how can it not? Both of these teams are built for the long run. Both of these teams are built not only for October, but for deep postseason runs. And let's get nostalgic with it. Let's bring it back to the 50s. Obviously, the original Subway Series when the Yankees and Dodgers seemed like they played every other year. To 1977-78 where the Yankees won back-to-back. 81, the strike-shortened year. After a 2-0 series lead by the Yankees, the Dodgers went ahead and swept the Yankees to reclaim the 81 title. And here we are now for the Dodgers 32 years later, they have not won a title. They have won seven consecutive NL West crowns. They have not been able to get to the mountaintop. And I'm going to think this is the year that they do it. Yankees are going to be strong. It's going to be formidable. Whomever has the best record is going to have home field for what that is because I'm sure who knows what's going to happen with fans come October. But I'm going to say Dodgers in seven. And I know that's going to piss off the Yankee fan, but... When will the Dodgers ever win? They had lost in heartbreaking fashion each of these years. Maybe not more so against the Red Sox in 18 because they lost in five, but they lost seven game series to the Astros in 2017. They lost a brutal game five at home last year when they were up 3-1 in the eighth inning and Kershaw spit the bit. So if this is going to be a year for them to win and to break this 32-year hex of not winning a World Series, then this is it. Yankees are built for the long run. I don't need to get into their rotation. I understand Chapman is on the IL with the coronavirus and who knows if he's going to be able to go down to Washington this weekend. But the Yankees are stacked. The Yankees got plenty of bullpen help. I understand no Severino. I know Domingo Herman came out with a statement the other day thinking that he was going to retire, but he wasn't. Just taking some time off and he's already suspended. I guess he got another, what, 30 some odd games to go. So you may not see him this year, but may see him somewhere, I guess, 2021. But I think it's going to be Yankees-Dodgers. I don't think the Astros... I can see Yankees and Astros in an ALCS again, but the Yankees will finally beat them. Dodgers. I'm going to say Dodgers-Braves. And I know I don't trust the Braves as far as I can throw them. And the Cubs... Listen, their window to me is closed. I know David Ross, new manager in there. Joe Madden's gone. Maybe... Somehow, some way, they'll get back to their 2015-16 form. I don't see anybody out in the West. Can the Nationals repeat? We know they have the staff with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. But I just see, to me, it's just Yankees-Dodgers. And I know that's boring. I'm sorry. I want to be different. I want to pick Brewers-White Sox, but I, uh, I just don't see it. Sorry, people. And quickly with the Mets... Now, we all know when it comes to the Mets, it's a bunch of what-ifs. Tons of what-ifs. What if Cespedes has a good year? What if the bullpen holds up? 
how they haven't been able to hold up here the last couple of years. What are they going to get from their fourth and fifth starter? In this case, it's going to be moved up because with Syndergaard out, you're going to have Strowman, arguably, is probably going to be your number two behind DeGrom. Then you have Mats, Waka, Porcello. How your fourth or fifth starter is going to play a huge role in the season. And Strowman, this is a big year for him too. He's going to be a free agent after this year. Strowman, who's a guy, obviously a local guy, who has the onions, but sometimes the onions isn't enough. You got to go out there and perform and win. And he didn't really make his mark when he came to the Mets last year from that trade in Toronto. So this is an enormous year for him if he's looking to get any type of big bucks considering the climate, not only just of the country, but in baseball with everything that's gone on, he's not going to probably get that $100 million deal that I'm sure a lot of people thought before this coronavirus hit that these players are going to get. So it's a bunch of what ifs. And when you think of the bets last year, they had a rookie of the year who hit 53 home runs. They had another Cy Young award year from Jacob DeGrom. They had a guy... And Jeff McNeil, who hit 313, was one of the top hitters in baseball for pretty much the first four months of the season. They had Conforto, who hit 33 homers, 92 RBIs. They had all this, these contributions. And granted that they finished up the season strong, they were 86 and 76, right where I thought they would be. And were in the postseason hunt, if you want to call it that, in September, although they really weren't, let's, let's face it. But they had all that break right, and they still weren't close to making the postseason. So what's going to happen this year? To me, and I know this is going to be very far-fetched to say because I don't want to put it all on him, but if Cespedes is anything close to where he was in 2015, I'm not trying to say he has to be that because that's already five years ago. And with everything that he's endured with the injuries, etc., and we all know it's a pitching game at the end of the day, but if Cespedes could really lengthen that lineup and give them the thump that they desperately need, and it's funny saying that considering they had a guy that hit 53 home runs, but he's going to bat second, But Cespedes is that guy that's going to really make the lineup not only stronger, but it's going to lengthen it. Because if Cespedes is going to bat fourth, he's going to provide that security for a Michael Conforto. He's going to provide security a little bit for Pete Alonso, although Alonso is going to be number two in the lineup. And having that guy there that's going to, and a right-handed bat at that, is going to be crucial, I think, for this Met offense to really click this year. Now, mind you, their defense is atrocious, and that could kill them a lot this year. Their defense isn't great, especially their infield defense. You know, Cano's a year older. The DH is going to help because I'm sure Cespedes is going to DH a lot, and I would think Cano's also going to be next in line to DH. And McNeil's going to play third where McNeil plays everywhere, but let's see in a big game when you're going to need some big defensive plays how McNeil plays. And it's not a knock on him, but we need to see that. And Rosario, hopefully a year older, better in the field. Can the Mets make the playoffs? Absolutely. I think any of these teams can make the playoffs. If you're not Baltimore, Pittsburgh, etc. But what does that mean? Are they going to win a division? I don't think so. Can they make a wild card? I said last year they'd probably make a second wild card. And you know what? I'll go as far as saying that they're going to make a second wild card this year. I'll say that. But I don't see anything more than that. And everything has to click right for this Mets team. We just have to wait and see. Thankfully, they won't have a June swoon to worry about as they have in 2017, 18, and 19. So, and July is just about over. So hopefully it doesn't become an August swoon. If the Mets play anything close to what they did last year in August, then who knows? They may make it to the postseason. So So that's what we got there with baseball. And one last thing with the Mets, and hopefully the ownership finally gives the keys over to whether it's Steve Cohen, the A-Rod, J-Lo, 
Travis Kelsey, DeMarco Murray combination, or whomever that's going to be. But who's the guy that has the big money? That's the one I want to know. Let's see if that's going to happen. You would think it's probably not going to happen until the offseason. Once the season is over and the smoke clears. So the Wolfpons could hopefully finally sell this team and get the Mets back on the beam as far as a little bit more relevance and maybe getting and procuring certain players to get them to that next level. So I'll just leave it at that. And that's something to keep in mind for down the road when we discuss the the Met ownership and the front office and how that's all going to uh, shape up here as we go deeper into the season. All right, let me turn my attention to the NFL before I get to the NBA and NHL. Now, you wonder if the NFL is going to take the form or the shape of how the Major League Baseball players took over there, what, in late May, I want to say, where Tony Clark, the head of the union for the players, came out and said, we just want what's fair, we just want to play, and then the hashtag was when and where. It looks like the NFL players are going to take that same approach here. And rightfully so, because training camp opens for most teams a week from tomorrow. Nothing has been reported or said with the NFL health and safety protocols. And we all know the big bad NFL, the Shield, they're going to bulldoze their way into a season. Surprisingly that they cut the Hall of Fame game and the Ceremony, which was a little bit of a surprise because it is the NFL. They probably would have waited till, let's say, the end of this week to make a decision. But they had the foresight to say, no, let's just, in light of everything that's going on, it's not safe, it's not fair. We'll just push it to 2021 as far as the ceremony is concerned. But now they have to answer the real question. And I'm sure the higher-ups down in the office somewhere off of Park Avenue, they're getting together these protocols to have these players start reporting. Because as of right now, if you're looking throughout the league, there are other players, such as Demarcus Lawrence in particular, who's right now uncertain of whether or not he wants to report. Now we know Demarcus Lawrence, pass rusher, Dallas Cowboys, a big focal point of their defensive line, and obviously their pass rush. He has a baby that's on the way sometime in October, and he's thinking of bypassing the season, considering that they haven't even stated anything across his email or have come in his mailbox to say here's the 100 page memo on what we're going to do to make sure that you're going to be 100% safe when you get to the practice facility inside the facility out the facility so that everybody could be socially distanced that could be protected etc and JJ Watt started the tweet storm on Thursday saying that he wants to play he's ready to play he loves the chances of his team this year but Until we get word of how we're going to go about our business here, once training camp opens, he doesn't know whether or not he wants to report. And a bunch of players came out yesterday. I mean, I can go through a whole list, but there were quite a few NFL players that were sharing their, I don't want to say their displeasure, but I'm sure deep down inside, they're probably thinking to themselves, wait a minute, we're going to have to put our bodies our lives on the line and the NFL has not come out and said anything as of right now, July the 20th at what is it? 12, 18 PM. Now watch, if I go to the ESPN page, they probably have this memo already set and in the mailbox or probably at two o'clock when I'm in the middle of editing this as it's been my luck sometimes on Mondays, but be that as it may, I have to agree with the players 1000%. 
And the powers that be down in the NFL offices, they are half-stepping. This is something, and they had ample time, more than ample time to put something together. You know, it's as if the coronavirus came three weeks ago. They should have known come June 1st, where that's around the time where OTAs and minicamps start, and we all know that that wasn't going to be the case. It was going to be all virtual. And this isn't to say that they haven't been working behind the scenes to try to put this together, because as we all know, it's not easy. Baseballs was what, 87 pages? The NBA was 113 pages? So imagine, the NFL, which is the contact sport of all contact sports, is probably going to be 150 pages. But how come we haven't heard word about this? How come the NFL says, hey, we're still trying to implement certain practices. We're revising it as we go. We'll make sure it gets put out here, whatever date. But here we are, eight days before the start of training camp, and there's not a soul to be found. Not for nothing, that's a disgrace. Uh, How could you just not put out a statement saying that we are working with the Players' Union Obviously, there's a lot to digest. There's a lot to take a fine-tooth comb to get through all this. But guess what? We're going to get through all of it. Nobody's heard a word from them to say anything. I mean, to me, that's just an atrocity. So when you have a lot of the big players, including Patrick Mahomes, come out and say, hey, what's happening here? Training camp's coming. And nothing's been said. Is anybody alive out there? No, the NFL right now, they're tight-lipped. And that needs to change quick, fast, in a hurry. Like I said, they'll probably come up with something you would think by tomorrow, a week before training camp. But then the thing is, remember, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, the players do not want to have any preseason games. And the owners want to play too. The second and third game. The first and the fourth have already been canceled. So you're not going to see the total four-game schedule for the preseason. The owners still want two and three. And I'm sure that's something that, even though it's not collectively bargained, but because of the pandemic, and this is a very unusual circumstance, this is something that the players, they certainly, hey, if we have to practice, we understand that, we get that. They have to practice for an upcoming season. But obviously they want to be safe going into the facility, where they need to go, who could shower, who could sit in their locker, whatever. Nobody has said anything. So the NFL needs to get their act together to get themselves right to ship and send these players their memos to say, all right, come July 28th, this is what it is. Watch them send it at the 11th hour, and then that's going to cause a struggle, just like Major League Baseball did back in May into early June. And I know that the NFL does not want this, and it would just show just the worst angle from the commissioner to the owners to the health officials, etc. It would just be absolutely disgraceful. Because they had plenty of time to plan this. And I understand that they're going to have to revise this on the fly. It's not going to be etched in stone, let's say even if it was July 1st, because they know that there's going to be other things that are going to arise. But can we get a clue here? And speaking of players, there were a lot of signings this past week. And some of them were just, uh, just mind-boggled. And I'll get to that one last. But the first one, Chris Jones, Kansas City. Big time pass rusher there. Big force in that defensive line. Four years, $85 million, $60 million guaranteed. So he was a mainstay on that championship team. And has been there for quite some time. So obviously he's going to be there for at least another four years. 
Derrick Henry, speaking of four years, gets a $50 million deal, $25.5 million guaranteed. He was a guy that was instrumental in making their deep postseason run in January, going to the AFC title game against the Chiefs. So he's certainly going to be carrying the mail for the next four years down in Tennessee. And the one that I find puzzling, and I understand I'm a little bit partial to this, the NFL reinstates Miles Garrett after that atrocity on the field last year. And of course, it happens against my team, so I know I'm going to be a little bit more biased towards Pittsburgh in that regard. But what he did was inexcusable. I mean, I don't care what was said. And to me, not to get into that whole situation, but that was just a disgrace on his part, trying to point the finger at Mason Rudolph, where everybody in the Browns locker room and even Coach Tomlin, speaking with Browns officials, said that that was no way uttered by Mason Rudolph to Miles Garrett as far as the N-word is concerned. So to put that aside, the Browns reward him with a five-year, $125 million contract where the total guarantees will tally up to $100 million. It's going to make him the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. All I can say is, what a country. That's not to say Miles Garrett isn't talented. That's not to say Miles Garrett is not a force. Of course, when his head is on straight, he could be a game wrecker. He was a number one overall pick for a reason. But Mason Rudolph aside, there have been other instances in the league and incidents where a lot of his hits, a lot of his play has been questionable. And that's saying it nicely. Just ask Trevor Sibian week two against the Jets on that Monday night game. And now he just railroaded him to the point where he broke his foot and was out for the year. And there's been other examples of Garrett's behavior on the field where you certainly would scratch your head. So they gave him all this money. And you just hope that he becomes the model citizen. But all I know is that I'm going to be waiting for that first game against the Steelers. Oh man, I'm going to be salivating when that game takes place. If it does take place. Because right now it's up in the air. I mean, kudos to him. He got his money off the heels of a six-game suspension. But, hey, we'll see how that plays out. All right, let me get to the NBA and NHL before my hero and zero of the week. Now, the NBA took a big hit there last Monday, of course, off the air, where Russell Westbrook came out with a statement saying that he had contracted COVID, that he's going to meet his teammates once he's 100%. I believe he's still in Houston. We all know Westbrook is a not only a relentless competitor, we all know how talented he is. The question is, is whether he's a winning player or not, and that certainly remains to be seen. I said this last week on my Instagram story. Westbrook is an excellent player, but we all know, is he a guy that's going to take you to the promised land? I don't think so. And with him and Harden in the backcourt, which I even said, going back to the trade last year, I didn't think it was going to work. Not necessarily between Harden and Westbrook. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, they played in Oklahoma City, they should be fine. And they've been fine pretty much throughout the first three quarters of the season before COVID hit. But when it's postseason, game on the line, and also an indictment on Harden too. But we're talking about Westbrook because Harden has shown up small in big games as well. Well, as far as Westbrook in a big game, that's a big, giant question mark. But let's hope he's recovering nicely. Let's hope that he makes it to the bubble sometime in the coming week or so. 
But most of all, news from the bubble, I know Zion Williamson, he had to leave due to an urgent family matter, and that's going to be key because with the season starting up next Friday, who knows when he's going to be back. You would think that with a few exhibition games that are going to be played, he's probably going to miss those, but I'm sure the Pelicans are hoping that he returns by this coming Friday because I believe the minimum that you have to be quarantined in the bubble is seven days. I'd have to double check that. So there is going to be a period where he's going to be off to himself. So he's probably going to have to practice by himself. Obviously, he's going to have to eat by himself. I'm sure he's going to have to zoom in on meetings or have whatever the practices are detailed to him in some sort of PowerPoint. Who knows? But that's going to be one to look at with the league putting in the Pelicans, the Spurs, Sacramento Kings, teams like that to push them to the eighth seed where it's currently residing by the Memphis Grizzlies. The NBA wants every opportunity to have Zion Williamson, as we all know, number one overall pick of last year's draft, to be a part, not only of the season, but to make it into the postseason to possibly play the Lakers in the first round. Right now, who knows how that's going to fare when it comes to his return and him playing out the rest of this regular season to make it to a postseason. I don't know how urgent this family matter is. I don't know if it's a death. Who knows? So that's something that we're going to have to continue to monitor as we go into next week, just a few days at that time before the start of the NBA season. And for the most part, the bubble stuff, yeah, you've seen some videos by some of the players, JaVale McGee going into uh, one of the water parks there, which I'm sure is just for the players only and part of the bubble. And Jason Tatum taking up golf, hitting shots off the tee. Actually, he's warmed up to playing golf. He's actually said he's actually been better over the course of the last, I guess, whatever, how many months here with all this downtime. So you haven't heard many horror stories coming out of the bubble. And we understand that that's going to be the case now, but let's see the team that's going to get into the postseason and then have to stay over the course of a couple of weeks and therefore maybe even six weeks, two months, how that's going to wear on them on a mental and even psychological level. Because right now, all right, they're around the guys. They're able to practice. They're in this bubble. They can't do much. They can't order food. Rashawn Holmes, I know one of the guys from the Sacramento Kings, he had left the bubble. So the Kings took action. He's going to have to be quarantined, et cetera. We know the drill. So it's one of those things where there hasn't been a lot of hijinks and missteps so far. And it's early. But let's hope it stays that way. And hopefully players do not contract the virus because if one player contracts it, boy, that could just become a firestorm. So that's pretty much it with the NBA and we'll talk more about it next week as we get closer to the restart. And as far as the NHL is concerned, it is all quiet on the Western front. Teams on the 25th and 26th, which will be this coming weekend, they will fly to Edmonton, the Western Conference teams and the Toronto, which is the Eastern Conference teams. They'll head up there. Now, the Rogers Center in Edmonton, the new arena, supposedly there was some damage. I'd have to look back and see, but who knows if it's going to be suitable for playing right now? And that will be a big hit. I know the old arena, the Northlands Coliseum, which was once called back in the 80s when I truly followed hockey, and then I believe it was Rexall Place, and it changed a million times, just like all these other arenas. But the... Damages, it was from a storm. And I don't know to what extent 
Are they going to be able to fix it? It says that they suffered some water damage, so I don't know if there was just a ton of flooding. You would think that between now and August 1st, it would be corrected. I'm sure they're going to work around the clock to do so. And it does say Western Conference team scheduled to travel to Edmonton on the 26th. Exhibition games beginning on July 28th. And the meaningful games beginning on August 1st. And then Edmonton will also hold a conference final. As we know. And I don't even know the Stanley Cup final. I don't know if it's going to be Toronto or the home stadiums. That, that remains to be seen. But they're working on the drainage system. They're trying to get that fixed. Obviously the teams will be up there this coming weekend. So Edmonton and I'm sure the NHL drinking the Pinot Grigio last night when the news came down. I'm sure that didn't go down as smooth as they wanted. So that's something that they're going to have to deal with on top of the whole coronavirus and the bubbles and et cetera. So, but that's been it, the NHL. There hasn't been a lot. I know Sidney Crosby, there was something with him that I saw earlier this morning. He had an undisclosed issue. He missed practice. I don't know if it's coronavirus related. Hopefully it's not. Fingers crossed. But it is an undisclosed health issue. So that's something I'm sure the Penguins are keeping a round-the-clock watch on the aging but yet very effective former MVP. So that's pretty much what I got with the NHL. And like I said at the top, is everybody ready? Sports are finally coming into the picture here. As we're driving down that lonely highway for the last four and a half months, we could see a sign up ahead where it says three more miles or three more days from today, the MLB season will begin. And then in 11 miles, the NBA season and in 12 miles, the NHL season. Will you be watching? Will you be into it? Have you missed it? As I said at the top, you know my feelings, but I'm just wondering how you feel out there. I just hope you're ready because there's going to be a lot of sports to watch between this coming Thursday and pretty much the end of the year if all goes well. So we'll certainly keep our eye on it. All right, now to my hero in Zero of the Week. My hero of the week is Daniel Bard. He was the one-time Red Sox pitcher. Seven years after last pitching for the aforementioned Red Sox back in 2013, he was a hard-throwing, promising young right-hander who just had awful control problems. Well, guess what? He made the Colorado Rocky pitching staff. So the perseverance, the determination, the fortitude, everything for one Daniel Bard who was hoping to have a long, promising career. Of course, with these seven years off, and he had been in baseball throughout the last years with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe as a scout, or just as part of their uh, staff. Well, now he's going to be in the major leagues in a major league uniform with the Rockies, so kudos to him. He's my hero of the week. And my zero of the week, and this is easy, it's a layup, people, but I'm going to pick on him, is Daniel Snyder. And not for the reasons that we've talked about over the last few weeks with the change of the Name And real quick on that, they should not name them the Warriors. I understand that it's alliterative. I understand that it has a ring. But there's also been talk about the Golden State Warriors having their moniker removed. So why go down that road? Just call them the Generals or call them the Nationals if you want to. I know it sounds boring and lame. I get it. Or you want to call them the Monuments? Call them the Monuments. But that could be controversial too, as I mentioned weeks ago. Point of the matter is have it focused on something in regards to the military and I'll be safe. So I think a general's the best. Okay, I digress. Under his watch, 15 women, alleged by former employees, some of them in the owner's inner circle, verbal abuse, sexual harassment, this had gone on for 
13 years from 2006 to 2019. Some of those that were included in this mess were scouts, personnel, directors, and assistant directors of pro personnel, the radio play-by-play announcer who had been there for 16 years, Larry Michael. Now, a lot of these players had left the team, the assistant director, director of pro personnel, and the play-by-play guy just left this past week. So this was going on for all this time, and as bad as this organization has been, and then on top of that, to have to deal with this whole controversy with the Redskins and the name and so on and so forth, and hopefully they come up with a name soon. But Daniel Snyder, inner circle, asleep at the wheel. I understand you try to you probably try to sweep it under the rug, but what good is that going to do? Now it's come out, and he's even said we got to change the culture now. The time is now. So, oh, go yeah, say that now. But anyway, just an abhorrent job. Terrible, awful to the highest power. He is my zero of the week. And if you don't know, he's the owner of the Washington football team. I should have stated that from the top. All right, people, that will do it. I hope you enjoyed episode 146. I'll tune in again back next week. May have a surprise this week, but don't count on it. If you want, please follow my social media accounts for any updates to future shows or even go to the website at www.jreels.com. But again, going back to the aforementioned social media accounts, Instagram, J Reels or the J Reels Podcast. On Twitter, J Reels One, just a number. On Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page. And if you want to send me an email or even a DM on any of those aforementioned accounts, you could just do that at the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Please, questions, comments, criticism, praise, whatever it may be, feel free to send them to me. I'll be sure to follow up as I want to do my best to improve this podcast and whatever you want to contribute to that as far as encouragement, as far as a change, whatever it is. I'm open to it, so please send that to me and I'll be sure to follow up. And more importantly, people, if you've liked what you've heard today or in the past, some of the interviews I've done over the course of the last few weeks, if you haven't subscribed, rated, and reviewed this podcast on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, or wherever you get your podcasts, I implore you to do so because... What that'll do will increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there. And in turn, it will generate interest among those that are outside that don't know who the J Reels podcast is as I try to get guests each and every week. So whether that's the former athlete, the current athlete, the sports writer, the blogger, the broadcaster, studio host, whomever it may be, I'm doing my best behind the scenes to try to get anybody and everybody on to share their experience, share their thought, whether it was on the field, off the field, in the booth, Etc. So if you haven't subscribed, rated, and reviewed, please do so. And lastly, as everybody knows, or if you don't know, this is my love, people. Ever since birth, you know when they say when you have something that you find that doesn't become work and something that you've mastered over time, as I take the words from Malcolm Gladwell, when you've mastered something and invested 10,000 hours of it in your life that you pretty much become an outlier, well, this is it, people. This is what I love. This is what I talk. And each and every week, I'm here every Monday, not going anywhere. So whether it's on the diamond, on the ice, on the gridiron, on the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it, I love to discuss it. So I could deliver it to you from my lips, to your ears, from my heart, to your soul, from where I am, to wherever you are. The J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Center to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.